Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome. My name is Joseph Franta. This is Truth For Today, and we're so excited about what uh, we've been looking into in the Bible This is going to continue a series on Israel and the end of days. And I want to go through some other scriptures on this whole topic because this is so relevant to today and what's happening on the world stage and all the events that are leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And as we've mentioned before in a couple of these other uh, podcasts on Israel, that Israel is God's time clock. Uh, It's the number one, they're the number one prophetic sign in the Bible that when Israel uh, becomes a nation, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that watch the fig tree. When its leaves become tender, you know that summer is near. Even so, know that I am near even at the door. So, you know, these are prophetic signs that can be easily recognized. They're not hidden in a corner or some uh, under some dark veil. These are signs that Jesus talked about, Paul talked about, John talked about, and now today we're gonna enter in uh, to the book of Isaiah, and we're gonna see how Isaiah prophesied these things about Israel, about the restoration of Israel, the redemption of Israel, almost a thousand years ago. So these are prophetic passages in the scriptures and you judge for yourselves because I'm reading today from the word of God. I am reading from the King James Version, but I'll also quote some other versions to maybe make it a little bit more clear. And today we're gonna start in Isaiah chapter 42. So uh, if you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 42, and we're going to start here today. It says, this is the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth justice or judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry. This is talking about Jesus Christ, a prophecy about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall not cry, nor lift up his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. In other words, he wasn't in any way obnoxious or loud or Uh, you know, offensive to anyone. He walked in the spirit of the Lord, walked in the life of God. He was the life of God himself, Jesus, the Messiah. So it says, he shall not cry, nor lift up his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed, he shall not break. Oh, he was a bruised reed. They beat him with a cat of nine tails, 39 stripes, welts on his back. But by those stripes, we were healed. 
the Bible says in both Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2.24. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a dimly burning lamp shall he not quench, or shall he not be put out. In other words, there were many people that wanted to quench his ministry, stop his ministry, even to the point of putting him on trial for crimes he never committed. And even his judge, Pontius Pilate, said, I, <clears throat> I find no guilt in this man. And yet he was crucified. But there was a spiritual dimension to his suffering that the Bible talks about. He was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. His suffering was not for anything that he did. He was the innocent, blameless, spotless, pure Lamb of God. No one could even find any injustice or sin in him. But he was crucified for our iniquities. He was crushed for our iniquities. He went to the cross. He bore our sins, Peter said, in his own body on the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his stripes, the welts on his back, we are healed. So Jesus took our place. He was our substitute, bearing our sin so that we could have everlasting life. We could be forgiven and cleansed by his precious blood, and we could have everlasting life through his name. It says he was a bruised reed, but he would not break, and he was a, a smoldering wick, it says in one translation, that would not be put out. He shall bring forth judgment or justice unto truth. In other words, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And all that the Father gives me, all that are drawn unto me, I will in no way cast them out or reject them. Then it says, he shall not fail. Oh, yeah, he's never going to fail because he is the captain of our salvation. He's the Lord, God Almighty, not only the King of Israel, but King of all the earth, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So he's gonna bring forth justice with truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth. In, in other words, until he's established his kingdom, his righteous kingdom in the earth. And the isles or the islands shall wait for his law. In other words, that always refers to the islands, refers to the far, farthest reaches of the earth, that even they will wait expectantly for his word, his law. Verse five, thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens, all things came into being through Christ, and without him nothing came into being that is come into being. He that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, the very breath you breathe today is because of Jesus Christ. And the spirit to them that walk therein. Man is spirit, soul, and body. So he's given us 
his breath. It says about Adam that God breathed his life into Adam and he became a living soul. And then it says, and spirit to them that walk therein. In other words, we're made in the image and likeness of God and God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the Bible also says that he's the father of spirits. And so man, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, is spirit, soul, and body. We're a tripart being. Now verse six, the Lord have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people and for a light of the Gentiles. Now this is referring to Israel. God has chosen Israel. There has chosen people, and there's many, many scriptures to back that up. And then it says here in verse six, the Lord has called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee, in other words, preserve thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. So this was the original calling on Israel. They were to, to be a, a witness, God's prophetic witness to the whole earth. They, will, they were to be a light to the nations. In Hebrew, the goyim, the Gentiles. They were, be, they were to be God's light to the Gentiles to witness his salvation even to the ends of the earth. Let's see what happened here as we progress in this great revelation in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 42, verse seven. There'll, there'll be a light for the Gentiles to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison house, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. So this was the call of God on Israel as God's light to the nations to open the blind eyes so they could see the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to bring out the prisoners from the prison. In other words, people were in spiritual prisons. Their sins had bound them up. Their sins had put them in spiritual chains and put them in darkness. But the light the light of the gospel and the light of Israel and the light of Jesus Christ came to shine in their darkness and to give them the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And them that sit in darkness out of the prison house, God was calling people to come out, come out of their addictions, come out of their sins, come out of their darkness, their spiritual bondage. And God is doing the same thing today. Nothing has changed. God's calling you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. It says, for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption means to buy back, to restore, to make whole. Verse eight, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. In other words, God does not share his glory with anything or anyone. He's in a class all of his own. 
There is no other God besides our God. And we're going to get into that because there's more scripture on that here today. Who could you compare with the God of the universe? Verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Verse 9, behold, the former things are come to pass. Oh, here is the prophet prophesying to the nation of Israel. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Now we know he's a prophet of God because he can foretell the future accurately. Sing unto the Lord a new song. He's telling the people of Israel, sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof, I mean, let it break loose. Praise the Lord. Sing his praise from the end of the earth. Verse 11, let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice. The villages that Kadar doth inhabit, let the inhabitants of the rock sing. The rock, of course, being Jesus Christ. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. There's a few mountains in Israel called Judea and Samaria. Verse 12, let them give glory unto the Lord and declare his praise in the islands, the farthest reaches of the earth. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. Now this is what we're going to see and what we are about to see in this age in which we live. And we're going to see how God has held himself back, so to speak, until the right time, the right hour, the right moment. Now back in verse 13, the Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up zeal like a man of war. You know, Jesus said, zeal for God's house has consumed me. You know, God's zealous for his own house, for his people, Israel, for his New Testament church. He's zealous for his house. And his passion and zealousness for his people are going to be on display in this hour. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up zeal like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He is the Lion of Judah. Lions roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. This is a, tre a tremendous promise for both Israel and the church. And now in verse 14, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. I have a long time held my peace. I have been still and refrained myself, says the Lord. Now will I cry like a travailing woman. I will destroy and devour at once. He's talking about his enemies and those that oppose Israel. I will make waste mountains 
and hills and dry up all their herbs and I will make the rivers islands and I will dry up the pools of water and I will bring the blind. Well, who does this refer to here? The blind. Who's God talking to here? He's talking to Israel who had forsaken the Lord and been scattered in all these nations and when Jesus came, by the way, even after all that transpired, they did not recognize him as the Messiah. They were carried in captivity during Daniel's lifetime. They were carried off to Babylon during Jeremiah's lifetime. But here, but here God gives them a shout out that things are going to change. He says, and I will bring the blind by a way they know not. In other words, even though they were scattered, they were going to be regathered. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. Scattered all over the world. I will make darkness light before them. In other words, he'll be a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things or crooked places straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. This is talking about enlightened Israel. After the Spirit of the Lord enlightens them as to the true reality of Jesus Christ. And that's all, it's all written in the book of Zechariah. Step by step, chapter by chapter, section by section, you can see that Israel will come face to face with the reality that Yeshua is their Messiah and that he came in the person of Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life, and was crucified as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and was raised from the dead, proving he alone has the power over death, hell, and the grave. Wow, what a tremendous, tremendous salvation. Paul says in the book of Hebrews, so great a salvation. So God has not forgotten Israel and the church has not replaced Israel because God's covenant with Israel still stands. His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God also has the new covenant in the blood of Jesus for the church. But we're going to see that both these groups of people are prophetic groups of people that have a separate covenant with God that will be honored and enforced by the Lord himself. Oh, I'm telling you, there's so much in the word of God, so much truth to enlighten our, our minds, our eyes, and our hearts. So in verse 17, well, let me go, let me backtrack a little bit to verse 16. And I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. He's talking about Israel here. They became spiritually blind when they forsook the Lord. 
I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and I will not forsake them. In other words, God will never forget his covenants with Israel. Verse 17, they shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed that trust in graven images. He's calling them back to himself. That say to the molten images, you are our gods. There's a lot of idolatry going on on the earth today. In America, also among the Israeli people in Israel. But look what the prophet Isaiah, who is the mouthpiece or voice of the Lord here, is saying to them. Verse 18, hear you deaf and look ye blind that ye may see. God's wanting to open up the ears and open up the eyes of people to see what he's doing on the earth today. Who is blind but my servant? That's certainly not talking about the church because the church is not spiritually blind. At least most of the church is not. Who is blind but my servant? He's talking about Israel here. Who is blind but my servant? They're still his servant even though they're not serving him. But the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. They're irreversible. God never forgets about them. Who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger that I sent? Who is blind as he that is perfect and blind as the Lord's servant? Describing Israel. They, at this point in time, in Isaiah's day and age, they were called to be the servants of God and the witness of God to the nations. Verse 20, seen many things, but thou observes not. In other words, they read the prophets every Sabbath day and yet could not see that all the prophets pointed to the Messiah. And yet when the Messiah came, they did not recognize him, even though they had heard and read the prophets and the law every Sabbath day they missed the Messiah when he came. Religion can really blind you, but the gospel of Jesus Christ can really free you. Seeing many things, but thou observe them not, opening the ears, but you hear not. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law. In other words, he's gonna bring it back around to Israel. He's going to magnify the law. You read the law and the prophets every Sabbath. Now he's going to make the law come alive to you and you're going to see who Moses was talking about, who David was talking about, who all the major and minor prophets were talking about, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law he will magnify the law, which is the word of God, and make it glorious or honorable. In other words, he's going to make the word of God come alive so vividly to Israel that it's going to be a glorious revival for the entire nation. Verse 22, 
But this is a people robbed and spoiled. Think about their history. This is a people that were, you know, totally despised, totally abused. You know their history, and I'm not going to go into that, but it was horrible, tragic history. People that were put in ovens, exiled out of nations, lost their homes, all their possessions, even their children, and in some cases, their own lives. And we're going to get into why that actually happened. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit as this series goes on. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes and they are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey, certainly. They have been for a prey in their history, but not anymore. They are for a prey and none delivereth, for a spoil and none saith restore. Except the miracle of miracles, the restoration of Israel as a nation in 1948, when the United Nations voted for Israel to become a nation recognized on the international stage and a place, a homeland for the Jewish people to be restored. That was a fulfillment of prophecy. And we're going to see that more and more as we go along. And I've already mentioned that in some of the other podcasts. The restoration of Israel as a nation the regathering of the people back to the land of Israel, prophesied dozens of times in the major and minor prophets. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will hearken and hear for the time to come? He's prophesying about the time to come. That even though they were scattered, they'll be regathered. Even though they were so terribly, tragically treated, they will be restored by the Lord himself in the land that he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is a miracle story of a people. No people has ever been scattered to the four corners of the earth, the four winds of the earth like Israel, and then brought back to their homeland and restored as a people and as and their land and, and as a nation. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will hearken and hear for the time to come? Who gave Jacob for a spoil and Israel to the robbers? Did not the Lord, he against whom we have sinned? For they would not walk in his ways, neither were they obedient unto his law or his prophets. Therefore he hath poured upon them his, the fury of his anger and the strength of battle, and it hath set him on fire round about, yet he knew not, and it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. In other words, even when all these tragic atrocities were happening to Israel, 
they really did not understand fully. They knew they were God's people. They knew they were God's chosen people. So they understood it from that point of view, but they did not understand it fully until God sent prophet after prophet to reveal it to them. And now we're in the age where the light of revelation will be turned on in the people of Israel and they will see their God in the person and face of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. And so we're all their supporters. We love Israel. We love the people of Israel and the land, the Jewish people and the land of Israel. We support them. We love them because they're called of God to be his chosen people. They have a purpose, a divine purpose and a divine call on their lives. And even though they spent some time away from it, God's going to restore them and place them right back into it. I want to thank you for being with us today. We're going to continue with this on our next few podcasts because there's so much material here. But we know one thing. God is the God of Israel, the God of Jacob. He's referred to as the King of Israel. And he is their Redeemer. He's the Holy One of Israel. He is the Light of Israel. And he is their glory and the lifter of their head. And we're going to witness all of it as this age comes to a close and as the next one begins. Thank you for being with us today. Have a great day. See you next time.